0: This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Kalstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Y'all have a good day today? Huh? Yes. Some of you did? How about the rest of you? Praise God. You know, the Bible says this is the day that the Lord has made. And since he made it, we're supposed to what? Yeah, we're supposed to rejoice and be glad. in it. Praise God. Well, we want to welcome everyone. We're glad and delighted you can be with us here this evening. Praise God. We're going to get into the Word of God. Get in the book. Let the book get in us. Amen. want to welcome all of you that are watching uh, via the Internet. Delighted you can be with us uh, this evening as well. Hallelujah. So hopefully you have a, a Bible or a device there somewhere you can grab a hold of as we look into the Word of God. Hallelujah. I'm excited about this evening. Praise God. We had a great service this past Sunday and such a wonderful week prior to that with uh, our faith life conference and, and we're just, uh, I tell you what, praise God, we're just going to go overboard on the word. Would that be all right with you? The Bible says the entrance of his word gives light. There's an illumination that comes praise God. When we expose ourselves to the word of God, you know, when Paul was writing, he talked about the washing of the water of the word. You know, when you live in the world, you can get a little dirty. You know, there's a lot of crud going on, but thank God His living Word. Hallelujah. You know, a good bath and that will bless anybody. Hallelujah. Amen? Amen. So anyway, we're going to look into the Bible tonight, and uh, we believe you'll be blessed. Let's open our Bibles uh, to Matthew chapter 3, if you can find that opening in your Bible. Matthew, the third chapter. <clears throat> thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. Matthew chapter 3, and then also, if you like, we're also going to be looking at John chapter 7. So Matthew 3, John 7, a couple different uh, openings of Scripture here. And then then we'll get into what we want to talk with you about this evening. And uh, you all got your expectors on? I know, you know, when you've been working all day and things like that, probably got up early and off you went, things like that. Now about 7 o'clock, especially if you've had a little bite to eat. <laughs> Could be nappy time, you know, or something like that. So uh, we'll do our best to keep you engaged and uh, and uh, to learn everything you can here as we have this opportunity together. Let's bow our heads and let's just uh, prepare our hearts here to receive the word. Father, again, we're so grateful tonight, Father, for this uh, group of people that have come. We thank you, Father God, for their hearts and their desire as they're leaning into and forward and toward your plans and purposes for their lives. So I want to thank you, Lord, uh, for meeting them here. And not only that, but speaking to their hearts, helping them, Father God, to grow, develop, uh, to know more of you, to understand your nature, your character, who you are, and uh, the things, Father, that you have prepared for them. Hallelujah. We're just so grateful, Father, for your blessing here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. John, or I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 3. And uh, notice uh, here uh, John the Baptist is speaking with regard to Jesus. And he said in verse 11, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with what? What? He said he's going to baptize you. Jesus is going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Glory to God. Now, let's look at John chapter 7. John chapter 7, in this chapter, uh, Jesus is... uh, speaking and uh, notice uh, in verse 37 it says in the last day that great day of the feast Jesus stood and cried saying if any man come everybody say any man you know sometimes people in their minds they don't think they're qualified or you know the devil will tell them that they're not worthy or they don't deserve it or whatever but Jesus said everybody say Jesus said Yeah, he said that if any man would come to him, glory to God, or uh, I should say it this way, if any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. And he that believes on me, as the Scriptures hath said, out of his belly or innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should, what's that next word? What is it? Receive. Receive. How many of you know you got to receive? I think that's one of the biggest problems, you know, people have in their lives is they don't know how to receive from God. Praise God. You know, they think that God's just going to overwhelm and overtake. No, you got to receive it. Hallelujah. So in this scripture again, verse 39, he said, this he spake of the spirit which they that believe on him should receive for the Holy ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Hallelujah. During our midweek services, we've been talking about walking in the the fullness of God or walking in his fullness or the fullness of the Holy spirit or the Holy ghost. And, <clears throat> We're targeting or, or speaking specifically about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, I don't have time, of course, you know, to go back and talk about everything we've already talked about in the two weeks prior to this. But Jesus said, he talked about waiting in Jerusalem for the promise. Everybody say promise. Promise of my father. So we're not talking about someone who is offering this, you know, that's just no one. We're talking about the Lord Jesus himself. We're talking about the Christ. And he's instructing his disciples about what it is that he intends, that which is going to be fulfilled, a promise is going to be manifested or is going to be brought about for his disciples, And so he says here again that it is a promise from his father. So I want you to note, or you know, the the thing that I'm trying to uh, convey, if that's the right way to put it, is how that Jesus is targeting this emphasis on the importance of the Holy Ghost. And, you know, when you read the New Testament, I mean, the Holy Ghost is in all of it. You know, in the book of Acts, all of these different things that happened, they were done through and by the power and the influence of the Holy Spirit. It's not a person doing this, it is a person being used of God or yielding to the Holy Spirit, being used of God to do those things. You know, Jesus himself, he said I can of my own self do nothing. But as I hear, I speak. And so, of course, you know, he was making reference to the guidance of the Spirit of God in him as a man. I realize he was the Son of Man or the Son of God, but he was also anointed by the Holy Ghost. And so, uh, again, you know, there's this, um, um, I guess I just want to say again, you know, Jesus said, hey, this this right here, you got to get this. You need to understand this. You need to cooperate and figure out what it is that needs to happen where your life is concerned because it'll put you over. It'll cause you to have victory. Glory to God. And, you know, a lot of folk, I mean, I'm talking about believers, they love Jesus, they're going to heaven, but they're defeated. They're always worrying. They're always careful. They're always anxious. They've got all kinds of problems in their lives, you know, and I mean, they're in fear, all these different things. God hasn't given us the spirit of fear, but a power love and a sound mind. So, okay, I'm, I'm with that. I can go with the whole no fear thing, but how do I make it a reality in my life? And I'm just telling you that it is the Holy Ghost in you that can give you peace. Hallelujah. If we'll learn to cooperate with him and believe, come on now. You know, a lot of folk, you know, they say, well, you know, I just don't know if that's available. Well, it's in the Bible. And if it's in the Bible, then it's probably available. And you might as well say, I'll take that. Huh? So, you know, he said again, behold, I send the promise of my father. This is in Luke uh, twenty-four forty-nine, But he said, behold, I send the promise of my father upon you. Everybody say, that's me. Huh. He said, I'm going to send the promise of my Father on you. Glory to God. Then it goes on. He says, but wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power. Everybody say "power." power. Yes. With power from on high or from heaven. And then he said in Acts chapter 1. Now, again, so we have Luke making reference to this, a record of what it is that Jesus said. Then we get into the book of Acts, chapter 1 and verse 4. Being assembled together with them, Jesus commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but again, wait for the promise of the Father, which, saith he, you have heard from me. For again, John truly baptized with water, but I'm telling you what, something else is coming. But you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from now. Now, in verse 8, they were asking about all these things. But again, in verse 8, then he goes on to say, you shall receive power. Everybody say power. Power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. I want you to notice the emphasis on power, ability. He said, you shall receive, again, he uses the word power, but he's saying, you are going to receive an ability. In the Greek, it's the uh, Greek word dunamis, which means, again, ability, but it also means miraculous power. In other words, this divine agency we call the Holy Spirit of God is going to come to assist and to equip and to help you where your life is concerned. Hallelujah. And it is the same Holy Ghost. That the Lord Jesus Himself navigated through all of the treacherous things that He dealt with as the Son of God upon this earth. Praise God. And, you know, glory to God. He went through it victorious. He went to the cross and died, and God raised him from the dead. Hallelujah. And then He said, All power or authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Hallelujah. Now go in my name. Glory to God. That's so cool. Hey man, I'm telling you what—that's got victory written all over it. You know, Jesus doesn't have a sad song, so neither should we. Come on, glory to God! You know, so many times the devil will try to attack people, you know, and put them in fear and try to get them, you know, to you know roll over and play dead and you know all that kind of business. You know, I'm telling you what—praise God! He wants us to stand up. I said, He wants you, child of God, to stand, having none all to stand, stand. Glory to God. Resist him and he will flee from you. Isn't that what the Bible says? But you know a lot of the language and the things, just the posture that you often see with Christians, it's not a it's not a they don't have a note of victory. They don't have a a note of praise God being an overcomer. They're the overcome. And their language, their speech betrays them because of this, you know, defeated kind of, oh, my God, what are we going to do? I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to trust him. We're going to believe in what he said. We're going to look to the greater one that is within us, and we're going to thank God for his power to intervene in these matters so that, glory to God, he can be glorified. Amen. Amen. So there's this emphasis, again, on power, which means, again, ability, miraculous power, might, strength. Everybody say, I have his strength. You've got his strength. You say, well, I don't see it anywhere. I don't feel it anywhere. Well, it doesn't make any difference what you see or what you feel. It's what he says you have. huh? You shall receive power. Everybody say, I have his power. power. You have his power. So you don't have to live a defeated Christian life. You know, I think that's the thing that appealed to me the most. I mean, you know, I was willing to do whatever when I got saved because I was just so thankful to be saved. Are you you with me? I mean, thank God I'm not going to hell. Glory to God. And I'm, I'm telling you, you know, whatever you want to do, whatever this life is supposed to, however it's supposed to get mapped out, I'm in. Because I was glad to be saved. But you know, I got to read a little bit more in the book. And I discovered, praise God, that Jesus came to give me life and life more abundant. I also discovered that he's made me more than a conqueror through the one who loved me. So all of a sudden, I am getting excited. Because God never intended for you, child of God, to go through life whipped and defeated. Amen. And he sent the Holy Ghost to help you. Glory be to God forevermore. Again, say, I have his power. You've got his power. Hallelujah. So, you know, again, when some stuff comes your way, glory to God, you're not without help or aid. I mean, if he's got to move, you know, heaven and earth, thank God he can do it. In another verse of Scripture that we're familiar with in Acts chapter 2, you know, Jesus was talking about you're going to get endued with power from on high. He said, but you will receive. Now, he's talking about all of this. And then, you know, of course, they watched him as he ascended up into heaven. And the angels were there. And they said, you know, why stand you here gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, as you've seen him go, is going to come again. Woo! Glory to God. And so he was received up at the right hand of the Father. And then about 11 days later, on the day of Pentecost, everybody say, thank God for Pentecost. Yeah, on the day of Pentecost, you know, the Bible says, uh, when it had fully come, they were all with one accord, one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven. Hallelujah. Glory to God. As of a rushing mighty wind, it filled all the house where they were sitting. And then there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire and sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And in this moment of them being filled, they began to speak in an unknown language to them, another tongue or other tongues, okay? And, and the thing about this is, is people say, well, that's strange, you know. Well, that might be strange to you, but it's not strange to heaven, you know. And, and when the people came and they heard what was going this thing must have broke out into the streets. I don't know what happened. But they said, what's going on here, you know? We hear them speak, in our own language, the wonderful works of God. So even though they, it's, a, it's a language unknown to them, but out of their innermost being, out of their belly, is flowing this river of living water that is declaring the wonderful works of God. Hallelujah. And not only that, but praise God, they're getting blessed. You know, the, the expression in this thing you know, I mean, when it occurred, I mean, these people were excited. They were filled with joy. There was an expression that was taking place because the people said they're drunk. They're acting like a bunch of drunks. You ever been to a bar where people get drunk? You know, when they get drunk, they get happy. Well, sometimes they get happy, and after that, then they get fussy. You know, just kind of depends. You know, <clears throat> know so much about that. But anyway, they—, they what they perceived was they were drunk, happy bunch of folk. Praise God! But they were hearing them speak in an unknown tongue or some other language, well, unknown to to the person doing the speaking. But it just so happened that it was a feast in Jerusalem, so there were all these people from all of these, you know, ethnicities and different things like that. And they said, "We're we're listening to them, you know, speak in our language." the wonderful works of God. And they said, man, these, these people are Galileans. They don't know how to talk in our language. Are you with me? So, so something happened. Hallelujah. Significant. It was a fulfillment of this promise. Glory to God. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, here's the thing about this. You know, not that many days prior to this, maybe about 51, 54, these same men, were running for their lives. They were heading for the bushes. When they came to take Jesus, they scattered. And they were afraid. But not now. Peter the Bible says, and John, standing up with the 11, being full of the Holy Ghost, began to declare, "They're not drunk like you think, seeing it's only nine in the morning, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And he talks about the fulfillment of this outpouring of the Spirit of God upon these people. So that took place, and now he's out. Hallelujah. Glory to God and available to anyone and everyone who will receive him. So the promise of the Father is, uh, you know, really it's in, in a specific reference to this experience that they had on the day of Pentecost. Here it comes, baby. He said, behold, I send the promise. Everybody say Promise. The promise of my Father. Hallelujah. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Ghost has been given to the church as a supply. Whether you receive him or the fullness of it or not, Jesus has still made this supply for the church to be able to have victorious. And when I say victorious, I'm talking about a person who's capable of living righteously. You know, in other words, doing right, living right, being right, you know. I, I couldn't do that before I met Jesus. Dude, I was a mess. Are you listening to me? I was a sinner in need of a Savior. My nature was that of sin, so that's what I did. But thank God I got saved. And that power enabled me to be able to resist that nature. Well, actually, my nature was changed. All I had to do was deal with my flesh. Are you listening to me? And I became a new creation in Christ Jesus, just like so many of you. Hallelujah. What a day that was. Amen. And so, you know, it is, or the Holy Ghost, he's been given to us as a supply for victorious living. But again, very few take advantage of it. You know, if you get in the wrong church and listen to the wrong stuff, dude, you'll be defeated. Well, you know, just hang on, hold out best you can. You know, oh, Jesus, come quickly. You know, there's a better way to live, my friends. You don't have to hide under a bushel. You don't have to hide under a rock. Thank God you can be everything he wants you to be. Glory to God. And he'll back you. Huh? You know, it's like those guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel. You know, you think about that whole deal. I mean, that was a real incident that took place. You go back there and read it sometime. But, you know, they said... You know, um, they weren't bowing down to the golden image that had been created by um, Nebuchadnezzar. Thank you, sir. You know, and, uh, and so they said, well, you know, if you don't do this, you're going to get thrown in the furnace. And they said, well, you know, we don't have to take a long time to make this decision. You know, uh, we're not bowing and we're not going to burn. And he said, even if we do, we're still not bound down to that dumb, non-speaking idol that you've created that you want everybody to look to. Well, you know, Nebuchadnezzar was enraged. Fired up the furnace seven times hotter than it's ever been. The guys that took the three down there, they were consumed, you know, just by simply getting them to the furnace. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, man, they went in and had a big time. Huh? But there was a fourth man in that fire. That means that Jesus showed up huh? and kept them. So what's that mean to you and me? That means when the pressure's on and people are giving you all kinds of a hard time, praise God, just know that you've got, he's got your back. And you don't have to apologize. You know, the Apostle Paul said, I'm not, a, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God to everyone that believes, to the Jew and also to the Gentile. Why would we apologize for being children of the living God? We're the ones that are going to heaven, not them. There's another destination that awaits the ungodly, and it is not a place that anyone wants to go. And they'll find out soon enough. Are you listening to me? I tell you, it pays to obey God. Amen. So as a believer, we, we want to have the full measure of what it is that's available to us in order to live victoriously in Christ Jesus, so that everything that that we need is at our disposal. And again, you know, <clears throat> this thing about the Holy. And and here's the th- the best thing I can tell you about it, you guys, is is that we need to get acquainted with the Spirit of God, huh? You know, I mean, if there's a dimension within our lives that is lacking, then we need to get after it and figure out what it is that we're missing. And really, that's why we're meeting and that's why we're talking and different things of that nature. You know, and, and I've said this before, but, you know, when there's a deficiency in power, you know, you're at a loss, you know, I, uh, uh, I bought this tractor here, well, it was four or five years ago, and, and uh, I went from a 45-horse tractor to a 75-horse, and I thought, man, this is going to be great. You know, I've got almost twice the power. I bought this tractor, and this thing was like a dog. I actually took it back to the dealership, and I said, can you put this on a dyno or a tester and find out if it's actually producing, you know, um, the horsepower that it's Because it was turbocharged, too. I think, I man, you ain't got no guts. This thing is just like, you know, whatever. They put it on there. Sure enough, it's putting out the, uh, you know, horsepower. And I, I was disappointed because, you know, it just seemed like it just didn't have much oomph. You know, like, come on, man, hit the gas. Well, I got a different tractor now. <laughs> it's got 115 horse. So you know, you know, you just get it wherever you got to get in order to get what you want, I guess. But. You know, the deficiency, it's just like you trying to pass somebody. You know, if you push on the foot feed and nothing changes, that's not a good thing. You know, you know, <laughs> you know, and uh, <clears throat> and that, I think, in many ways describes a lot of Christians. And really, it's it's more uh, it's more about not knowing what you have, you know, Hallelujah. So many are not taking advantage of being filled with the Holy Ghost and or not yielding to him for their own benefit. You know, and I said this before, but just real quickly, a lot of people think that, you know, speaking with other tongues is of the devil, you know, because it's 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 um, it's unknown to them. It's it's foreign to them. It's it seems strange. How can this be? But I tell you what, when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, we've had, I don't know, four or five people who've gotten filled here in the last couple weeks. And I guarantee you, praise God, they're not the same people. And I think a part of it is just them knowing the reality of the Spirit of God on the inside of them. I mean, you know, there's a witness that's associated with it that blesses them in in so many ways. Some people say, well, you know, that's not necessary. Now, wait a minute. Please allow me to appeal to you that if Jesus told these guys, "Don't leave till you get it," you're going to tell me it's not necessary. Yeah. Yeah. What's up with that? Not, I mean, I mean, who made you king? You know what I'm saying? And yet, that's people's, you know, attitudes a lot of times. Not necessary, you know, or 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 maybe they're thinking about, you know, it's <laughs> some people think it's been done away with. Well, I got news for you, man. I've already ate a banana. Yeah. You know. And I'm telling you, it's not, done, it's not been done away with in any way, shape, or form. Everybody say it together. Thank God, Thank God. for the Holy Ghost. No, I'll tell you, a lot of the reason or uh, the reason that many aren't taking advantage of it, I think primarily is because they're afraid. People are, people are always afraid of what they don't know. You know what I'm saying? And so they'll just go, eh, I don't know about that. That's the way I was. That was my response when somebody pitched it to me. I mean, eh, I don't know about that. You know, and then I went back and I listened, you know, in my mind and my thinking about the, the circle that I found myself in, you know, as a saved Christian and what they said. Well, when you get saved, you receive the Holy Ghost and you have him in you and that's it. Well, I come to discover it's one thing to be, you know, born of the Spirit of God. It's another thing to be filled with the Spirit of God. Are you with me? And some people take issue with that. You know, they're saying, well, you're trying to tell me I'm not good enough? Or, I, uh, you know, I don't measure up. No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm telling you that Jesus offers you a gift that has a different, stronger dimension and level of your abilities to function within the kingdom called the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Are you with me? So you've you, you got to get yourself straightened around and thinking different about, you know, its value and how it can help you and bless you because it will. Glory to God forevermore. Here's some other things, you know, that Jesus had to say about the Holy Ghost. And um, let's turn to John chapter 14, the 14th chapter of John. How many of you are glad you came tonight? John chapter 14. This is such a, an endearing Uh, it would do you well to read chapters 13, 14, 15, 16, well, even 17, because 17, the entire chapter of 17 is a prayer. But 13 on is this just a a warm, um, endearing, uh, tender moment that Jesus is having with his disciples. when he washed their feet, you know, and he told them that he was giving them a new commandment. That they should love one another as he had loved them, and you know, and so he's going down through all of this, but he's also talking about his departure. So I want you to think with me for a moment. If your heart becomes endeared to someone, and they're teaching you how to live, uh, they're they're fixing a lot of your mess. I mean, they're 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 speaking into your life stuff that's. I mean, game changers and, and really making a difference in your life. And all of a sudden, they say, by the way, I'm out of here. Well, you know, and I mean, they had been so much a part of his ministry. I mean, and they had seen his love that he had loved them with. And the last thing that these men wanted to have happen is to see Jesus depart. So it's that context that we kind of jump into the middle of this, and we're going to, you know, kind of just pull a few things out for the sake of our time that we have together. But, you know, notice in chapter 14, verse 1, he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. He says, you believe in God, believe also in me. he says, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it weren't so, I would have told you. And I'm going to go, and I'm going to prepare a place for you so that you can be with me where I am. But I want you to note particularly, he said, Don't let your hearts be troubled. And we know, again, the context, why they were. Man, dude, dude, you can't leave. Philip says, where are you going? You know, and and different things. Oh, show us the Father. He said, man, dude, have I been so long with you? Have you not known? You know, and so on. So there's a lot of context in this. But look, uh, let's just drop down to verse 15. Jesus, again, he's still speaking here, and he says, if you love me, keep my commandments do what i said that's as simple as that and i will pray or ask the father and he will give you another comforter everybody say another comforter yes. that he may abide with you for how long forever. forever glory to god so the word comforter is the word paraclete it's it's by definition it means to have someone called alongside you to help you, okay? So, so he's trying to bring comfort to them. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled, you know? And, and here, because there's more to this. But again, he says here in this verse, he says, he says, I'll give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot accept or receive, Because the world doesn't see him, and the world doesn't know him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be where? Where? In you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So here's the thing you have to understand. If you're going to live by the world's standards and you're going uh, you know, to try to do things in a way that you know, appeases the world that is around you and sinful and ungodly people and things of that nature, then forget it you know, because you're never going to do that. We're talking about living life in a, on, a, on a different level. In a different dimension, not in an arrogant kind of way, not that I'm better than you are, or I'm trying to show you who I am, or it's not that at all. But I can tell you right now that if you're going to allow the world to control you or to appease you, then you're not going to live on this level. Are you with me? Because they're living in fear. They're living in confusion. They live in strife and in hatred. They have all of these things going on in their lives. Their lives are an absolute mess. And, 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 and what Jesus has done is redeemed you and then empowered or equipped you to never have to go back to that kind of thing ever again. Glory to God forevermore. So in this verse then, he's saying, um, <clears throat> in verse uh the last part of 17, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. Now, listen, in verse 18, he says, I will not leave you. Uh, King James uses the word comfortless or orphans. In other words, without a father. You know, you think about the imagery of that. You know, when you got a child that has no one, they're out on a street by themselves. I mean, you talk about uh, risk. You talk about vulnerability. You talk about, uh, gosh, I mean, you know, it's, it's frightening to even think about that. He says, I will not leave you as an orphan. Even though I've got to do this, and he said that earlier in the verse, it's to your advantage that I go away, you know, so that he can send the Holy Ghost. Glory to God forevermore. So, so um, what else do I want to say about this here? Um, um <clears throat> Well, um, he just said, I will not leave you comfort. So here, you know, um, what Jesus is saying, we could encapsulate these words here, and you can look at it further in your own study. But he's just saying, listen, going forward, you won't be looking to me per se. You won't be looking to me for comfort, for guidance, for strength, and whatever else that you need, but rather to the one I am sending to guide and to strengthen you from within. Everybody say within. Within. The counsel, the guidance, and what it is that you need is on the inside of you, okay? And so I think that that's the impasse that a lot of times Christians miss is, is that they're looking in all the wrong places, you know, uh, uh, for answers and guidance and whatever, and, the, and he's right on the inside of you. You know, as somebody was telling me about, I can't remember who it was, but, but somebody, you know, was trying to get some guidance from God. I think somebody was watching Joel or John Osteen. Uh, this would be Joel's dad. And he did one of these, you know, he opened the Bible randomly and put his finger there and then he read it. That was you, that's right. Well, as it turned out, it did provide him with, you know, direction, but I would not advise that methodology, okay? Because there are a lot of risks that go along with that. You know, you, you could point something like Judas went and hung himself, go do that likewise or something, you know. Hey, that wouldn't be a really good word, would it? Hallelujah. So here's the thing. Let me say this. Going forward, you're not going to be looking to me because I'm no longer going to be here. But rather, you're going to look to the one that I'm sending, again, to comfort, to guide, to strengthen you, to give you what you need, and it's going to come from within you, the Holy Ghost in you. And that's the thing. You know, as a believer, sometimes that's a little bit indistinct to us because we live in a, you know, in a... Visual, uh, uh, fleshly world, and we have our flesh to deal with. How I many of you can I identify that voice? I guarantee you, you, go home, the refrigerator will say, "Come here." <laughs> well, you get it. You know, you understand that. So, <clears throat> so the Holy Ghost, you know, um, he does speak, and he does lead, and he does it from within. Now. You know, this might seem as though we're digressing a little bit. You know, uh, uh, with regard to the baptism of the Holy Ghost, speaking with other tongues, but it's all—it's all—it's all one and the same. You know, so we need to get a hold of that. Um, so again, he does speak, and he leads the believer from within. You know, when when uh, Paul was writing in Romans chapter eight, he said, for as many as are led by there's got to be a way that you and I can learn how to be led by the spirit of God. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God or the adult. So there has to be a way that you and I can learn to be led by the Holy Ghost. For we've not received the spirit of bondage again where we fear, but thank God we've received the spirit whereby we cry, Abba, Daddy, Father. And then it says that the spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Well, some people don't even know about the fact that they are a spirit, that they have a soul made up of their mind, will, and emotions, and they live in a body. We're all body conscious. You know, we're all academic conscious. You know, we know all about it, you know, from, from, from an intellectual standpoint. But to hear the Holy Ghost, that's what Jesus is saying. You know, if you want to be down, led down the right path, you have got to learn to be led by the Holy Ghost. Thank God, and he'll do it. Amen? Yeah? So that's where we look for divine guidance. And if you're a child of God, he's in there. And if he's in there, he wants to guide you into all truth. Amen? And another thing about the Holy Ghost is he never, you know, the Spirit and the Word agree. So if, you know, you think, well, God's telling me something, but it don't line up with the Word of God. It's not God. Are you with me? Right. Now, when I got saved, um, shortly after I got saved, and I'm talking a few weeks maybe or something. It could have been a month. I don't, I don't know. But I would, And I've shared this story before, but the thing you have to understand is, is that this was so out of the ordinary. You know, I'm just going down the road of life, minding my own business. And I was part of a group of, you know, people that were partiers and drinking a lot of beer and different things of that nature. And we were being sponsored by one of the bars in Council Bluffs, and we went and played flag football. Well, after you get done playing flag football, you go to the bar and you drink, Okay. So I'm in this bar, but now I got the Holy Ghost in me, okay? And so I'm there uh, with one of my friends, and we're sitting at the bar, and, and uh, you know, having a beer or two or three or quite a few. Uh, actually, it didn't take that long, so I, we hadn't gotten real deep into this, you know. But I'm sitting on this bar stool, and I turn around, and I look out into this sea of And listen, you guys, I went to the bars all the time. I never ever seen anything like this before. I mean, I was never conscious that I was in a room with a a host of lost and messed up people trying to squeeze something out of this thing they called life. But I rolled around on this bar stool and I looked out into this smoke-filled room and seen all of these people. And, 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 you know, and these are, I've never had an original thought like this in my life, okay? But all of a sudden, I hear on the inside, it wasn't a voice, but I heard it. You know what I mean by that? And, and it said, you don't belong here. And I, I think if I remember right, I think I actually verbalized it. And I said, I don't belong here. And so I gave all my beers to the guy I was sitting uh, next to and said, hey, I got to go. Here you go. And I walked out the door and never went back. Now, again, what I'm telling you is, is that if we'll learn to listen to the Holy Ghost, he will lead you out of defeat and he'll move you right into victory. Are you with me? And like I said, it was so foreign to me, you know, (laughs) because... That would be the last thought that I had ever had, you know, that I didn't belong there. But I was a new creation. Are you listening to me? Now, I could go a little bit further with that and say some things, but I think that that's sufficient in the context of what we're talking about here. So I think what happens to so many is the Holy Ghost's guidance, it, it becomes obscured by the flesh. You got people... Um, that have been saved and I mean turned on to the word of God filled with the Holy Ghost and they live in the world now the, uh, life was not fair and a lot of bad things happen and they've either become bitter or they become I don't know you know just jaded and, and they've thrown the whole baby out with the bathwater, and they're right back in the mess that, they've, that they came out of that Jesus delivered them from it's sad it's so sad you know, and and so what happens is, is that our flesh obscures, you know, here's the thing about it, though. I mean, even though they're living the way they are, I mean, they're miserable. I mean, if they were really if they would really listen to what's going on on the inside of them, could have been because of an offense. It could have been, you know, I mean, God only knows, you know, that's why thank God for the church, the local church to where when things do go sideways on us that we have a church family that can help us and and put the wheels back on our car and say you know what this is a tragic thing but I'm telling you what Jesus can redeem it he can he can he can take your life and move it on but you can't give up you can't quit you can't walk away you got to keep going oh thank you Jesus you know and and so the disconnect I think is you know just people not understanding how God leads them. But primarily, the way that he'll lead you is by the inward witness. You know, that didn't, that didn't come out of my mind. It, it came out of my innermost being. You don't belong here. I, I don't belong here. You know, I need to leave, you know. And uh, because I certainly was not in a place of light. I was in a place of darkness, And God will lead you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You believe that? So the disconnect, again, I think is people understanding how the Holy Spirit leads. That's why you need the Word of God. He will guide you into the truth or what is in line with the Word of God. Don't just accept anything that somebody says, you know. And so to understand how he leads, how he manifests himself, recognizing his guidance and leading or yielding, I should say, to his direction. And this takes some doing, but you can do this. Everybody say, I can do it. And you already have. Every one of you on occasion have, have understood the witness of the Spirit of God telling you that you should do something or you shouldn't. How many of you can attest to that? Yeah. So he will do just that. And, uh, but, you know, it's these fleshly desires sometimes that people allow to dominate their lives that cause them, you know, you know, your flesh, uh, and I don't, again, you read Romans chapter 8, Paul does an exquisite job in talking about this conflict between your flesh and the Spirit of God, that they're, they're in conflict with one another, you know. And, and so the thing is, is you have to understand that, you know, uh, your flesh does not want to be ruled, Huh? But if you're going to allow uh, the Spirit of God to have the place that it needs in your life, then your flesh isn't going to get to do everything it wants to do. You know, when the Bible says, you know, to put away lying. Let every man speak truth to his neighbor. Uh, be angry and sin not. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Deal with the anger issue. You know, some people, they, they pass the buck. They say, well, that's just the way I am, you know, or whatever. Or my dad or my mom did this, and, you know, I've just always been angry or whatever. That's no excuse. Now, let me, let me say this with, with empathy. It is to be regretted that that happened in your life. But I'm telling you what, the Holy Ghost wants to set you free. From what it is that you're angry about, are you listening to me? But you have to consent. You have to yield. You have to move. You say no. I'm not going to yield to anger in my life. Are you with me? Because you have to know certainly that it's not from heaven. Amen. Praise God, and He'll help you, and He'll bless you. He'll empower you. Glory to God. So, so. Uh, um, <clears throat> You know, uh, the flesh and its desire to have control. Here's a, here's another simple, it's a simple example, strife. You know? Any of you ever get in strife? Okay. say, so, well, I didn't mean to. It's okay, it's okay. We know that. Sometimes you did mean to. But anyway, you know, but strife, you know, it, it, it's... Um, Well, look here, real quick. Since we're here, let's just talk about this. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Talking about just a simple, we're talking about being led by the Spirit. I guess I'm kind of getting away from the whole thing about being filled with the Holy Ghost, but this is good anyway. Amen. So notice here the good news is, thank God, because of the Holy Ghost, you don't have to yield to being a strife filled person. Huh? Notice what Paul said here um, in, in chapter 3. We'll start with verse 1. He said, brethren, I couldn't, I couldn't speak to you as unto spiritual people or those that are led by the Holy Spirit, but as unto carnal, huh? or you could say flesh-ruled, okay? Um, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk, not with meat, Hitherto, for or because you were not able to bear it, and neither now are you yet able to bear it. Listen, here's the reason why. For you are yet what? Carnal. Okay. You're yet carnal. For why? And, and why do we know that, Paul? Because there is among you envying and strife and divisions. He says, aren't you just a bunch of carnal buckets, you know, that act like the rest of the world? So in other words, he must be saying that you and I can live above this carnality of envy and strife. When I got saved, turned on to the Word of God, people came into the church, you know, and we were growing and things were getting better. And, you know, people came into the church, you know, that had some, some, um, um, what do I want to call it, Affluence, affluence, you know, and, and, you know, if you're not careful, you, you can get all sideways about, you know, how, how good someone else has it, you know, well, who do they think they are? I wonder how much that costs. Did you see the rock on her, her hand, you know, all these things going on people's mind. And I, I learned right away, praise God. I'm not going to, you know, be envious of them. I'm going to get in that line. You know what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not going to be envious of them. You know, another thing that I realized, you know, is when we got the church started, you know, and, and we're just needing help. I mean, you know, and even today, you know, like now, you know, you got, you got people there. I think right now if people come twice a month, it's a big deal. It's really dropped off. Uh, Barna said 20% of the people when the COVID thing started, 20% of the Christians in evangelical uh, circles and things like that have not, listen, have not gone to church and have not watched a service. It's all part and parcel of the spirit of the world and its plan anyway. Divide and conquer, you know. But that's not really my point. Uh, my point is, is that, you know, at that time, you know, uh, if people weren't in church, I had to deal with getting angry. Where are you? You know? But I never, I never, you know, I don't think I did anyway. I don't think I ever verbalized it, you know, but I was just bummed. You got to be in church. But I realized this, that as a pastor, People are not going to be here 100% of the time like I think they should be, okay? So I can either accept and understand that and and give them my blessing, do everything I can to help them and that type of thing because we're going to, you know, we're people. We're going to do, you know, different things, and we're not always going to. But as a young guy, I didn't know that. I hadn't grown, you know. And so uh, instead of, because I'll tell you what happens if, if, and preachers do it all the time, they'll get mad at them and they'll start, you know, dressing them down because they're not there. Guess what? They ain't coming back. They ain't feeling no love. Are you with me? And I don't blame them. I wouldn't either. And so the thing is, is that I learned, you know, that this is going to be how, how this works. So I'm going to position myself in a way that I'm going to love them whether they're here or not. Are you with me? I mean, our entire 40 years plus has always been that I don't care why or how or whatever you find yourself absent from here. I'm going to love you anyway. Okay? I can't make people do anything, can I? So I can either live miserably and I can vent and I can, you know, whatever. Or I can just say glory to God, Father. Thank you for the bunch that are here right now. Amen. Amen. And that's the way you, you know, you choose, or you can get into all this strife. And the Bible, you know, here he says you're carnal. So we're all doing a little growing, aren't we? Amen? And, you know, uh, he goes on and talks about some other things in the context of that. But, uh, you know, I, I, I just want to tell you guys, God wants you to have the full measure of the Spirit of God. But you've got to walk, you know, the Bible says be very careful as to how you live. Don't let your brain go where it don't belong. You know, you're not people's judge, even though you want to be, and you think you know everything. Oh, praise God. There's a lot of them folk out there today. Are you with me? But always remember, no matter how they, how they, you know, whatever they say or how they respond, your joy is not in their head. Huh? Are you with me? and it's important but again re- understand this Jesus wants you to have a full measure of what is available to you in order to live victoriously for him amen you got time for one more thought here turn with me to second timothy chapter 1 and let me let me just go back to that idea of strife now, can you imagine what it might be? I mean, if you're given to strife, can you imagine what it would be like to live your life strife-free? Strife-free. You say, well, pastor, that is just not possible. Oh, yeah, it is. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. I'm telling you <laughs> that it's possible. Are you with me? Yep. Just don't step into the trap. Whether you're the one that's initiating it or somebody else, just say no, nope, no, nope, no, nope, no, nope, no, nope, no, nope. no. We're not going there. Are you with me? Amen. Say, can you do that? Why not? Yeah. Well, I don't know. <laughs> as long as you don't allow your flesh to dominate you, you you can you can live above it, huh? Now. I'll just say this, you know, where my wife and I are concerned. I mean, we're not perfect. We're human beings. But I will guarantee you that 99.9% of the time, we ain't got no problems. Because we don't allow it. You know, God wants you to grow up. He wants you to mature and act like mature people and be people of integrity and people of character. And all of those things are qualities that are enabled in your life by the power of the Holy Ghost to where you, and and we're not perfect. You know, we might trip and fall a time or two, but, you know, get back up and say, whoops, let's not do that again. Are you with me? Because strife will kill you. It's, 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 it's laid many low. You know, when Paul was writing to Timothy, he said this. He said, avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they gender or generate strife. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel. How many servants of the Lord do we have here? Okay, well, then you're in. You say, well, it's not that easy, Pastor. You know, you live in this, like, dream world with her. You know, But I tell you what, you ought to come to my house for a while. Well, I guess you got a little work to do, huh? Hallelujah. You know, it'd help a lot of folk if they were just to ever get a clue that as a husband and wife, you're not in competition with one another. You know, you're on the same team. Well, she ain't this, he ain't that. Dude, you're missing the point. Are you with me? So it says here they mustn't, you know, a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility contr- uh, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. We never think about strife as being devilish, but dear friend, it, well, maybe you do. It is. It is absolutely set on fire of hell. The devil will do something, you know, he'll, he'll inject a thought into a person's, you know, mind or whatever. And hopefully what he's wanting them to do is take off on it. And then the two of them can destroy themselves. Well, let's be smart. You know, Paul said, we're not ignorant of his devices. You're not ignorant of his devices, are you? Huh? Come on. So did I tell you Second uh, Timothy 1? Okay. Let's look at this here real quickly as we try to tie this up a little bit. Second Timothy um, um, chapter 1. Now, here in this circumstance, Timothy's dealing with some real issues. And, um, you know, issues in the sense of his life uh, being in jeopardy or threatened. You know, we most of us aren't in that situation. But, you know, that'd give you reason for pause to be afraid, wouldn't it? So, in chapter one, Second Timothy, uh, chapter one, verse. Uh, let's start with verse five. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and also your mother Eunice, I am persuaded that that faith is in you also. So, what's he doing here? He's encouraging a discouraged servant, and he's talking about here's what I know that you have. And it's the thing called faith. Now, notice verse 6. He says, wherefore, I am putting you in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God. Well, what is the gift of God? The gift of the Holy Ghost. Huh? In other words, he's rekindling Or stirring up the gift of God, which is in you by the putting on of my hands, for or because, look, God has not. Everybody say, no, he hasn't. Yeah, he has not given you a spirit of fear. But rather, power, love, and a brain that's not crazy. Huh? Power, love, and a sound mind. So, so in other words, here what Paul's doing is, is he's redirecting Timothy's thinking. And he's talking about what it is that, he's ha- that he has in him, that he is one that is possessed of faith or has faith, and that there's a gift on the inside of him that needs to be stirred up. Because God has not given us a spirit of fear. But I want you to know, my friends, right now, fear is running rampant all over the world and in our country. I mean to tell you, it is on full throttle. So my advice to you is you better start... (laughs) uh, listening to the right voices, and turning off whatever it is that everybody's talking about. Are you with me? Hallelujah. Again, uh, I'm going to come to a close here somehow. I just, you know, this thing about the full measure of the Spirit of God's indwelling presence, of what Jesus provided for the believer— You know, Jesus made it possible, and he wants you to know that you have everything that you need to stand powerfully and victoriously. Amen. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the name of Jesus. Listen, God has not given you a spirit of fear, so you don't have to be afraid. You say, well, I, I, I don't know how to do that. I mean, I don't know how that works. I mean, you know, I'm thinking about this and thinking about that. I'm telling you what, replace what it is you're thinking about with his thoughts. Are you with me? I think, you know, that's what defeats people, you know. And, and that, the spirit of fear, it is the dominant spirit that Satan is using. Not just going to use, but he is going to use it against people in these last days. Jesus said men's hearts will fail them for fear of the things that are coming on the earth. What's that mean? They don't have an answer. Are you listening to me? There's stuff that's coming on this earth that that, he said everything that can be is going to be shaken and that's why thank god my refuge my help my source my my home and my place is under the shadow of the almighty god and that he will care for me hallelujah and i cannot be defeated glory to god are you listening and neither can you we are going to abide under the shadow of the almighty we are going to say, he is my refuge, he is my God, and in him I am trusting. Yeah. Are you listening to me? And you better get a hold of it. Yeah. Are you with me? So that you can be a catalyst to help others. And be found of him in peace. And now what the Bible says? That we may be found of him in peace. Well, you can't be in peace if you don't know these things. If you don't know that Jesus came to give you everything you need so that you could uh, be victorious. Hallelujah. People with this COVID junk are living in absolute fear. And if you challenge it, then they will try to shame and intimidate you because you're not going to buy into the lie of the devil. Now, I'm not here we go because immediately people, you know, they'll they they get to thinking. But I'm telling you, yeah, it's real. But you know, we're not we're not approaching this on any level based upon good science. 99.5% of people that are 69 years of age and younger it's not a big I mean, they live And if you're in the 70 and above, it's 95 or 4.6 or whatever. Well, it's probably because, you know, you got issues. I understand that. But I'm telling you what, it has crippled our livelihoods, our functionality, our liberties, our peace, everything. And it's the spirit of fear. And you need to stand against it. Are you listening to me? I read this thing. I think I've got it here. Since I'm late already, we might as well just go for it, right? I didn't write this, but I wish I had. It's called going on the offensive. I'm no sport and an- analyst, but I've seen several games, especially in basketball. Where a team gets overly cautious, and instead of playing to win, they simply begin playing not to lose. That's a terrible thing. If you've ever been on a team, and the coach starts pulling everything back, dude, you want to strangle him. Dude, if you got it going, keep it going. Well, anyway. Yeah. Usually this happens late in the game, often coincides with a surge of momentum and increased effort from the opposing team. 2020 has left many reeling, perhaps with the let's circle the wagons type of a mentality. There are legitimate defensive strategies that we adopt and utilize in life, but we are not here just to run out the clock and hope that Jesus will return before it gets too bad. You know, if you got an escape theology going on in your brain right now, you might want to get that changed. Okay? I don't have time to explain that, but I think you understand. When Jesus said that the gates of hell would not prevail against the church... It seems to have been his presumption that his church would be on the offensive. Our mentality should not be to hold the fort, but rather storm the gates. The story of Gideon. Powerfully reveals one of God's children's transitioning from a defensive to the offensive. All of Israel was cowering because of the bullying and the intimidation of the Midianites. The Israelites had been impoverished because of their oppression. All of this is designed to oppress people. And we get a vaccine, but now that's not good enough. We got all these variations now, My God. And I just read, you know, I was going through a news feed, and they said, oh, you know, they talked about tsunamis, you know, of of this COVID kind of business. Now they're talking about a Category 5 storm of it. To put you, what? In fear. And to control people. Uh, the Israelites had been impoverished because of their oppression. Judges 6.6 tells us that Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. As the story unfolds, Gideon himself is cowering in a wine press while threshing out some wheat. The New Living Translation brings out that he was at the bottom of a wine press. Normally, Gideon would have been threshing wheat on a threshing floor, not in a wine press. This simply illustrates the level of intimidation Gideon himself was experiencing. You can get minimal results threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press. So Gideon's fear kept him from significant productivity. Before Gideon could get on the offense, he had to overcome his own self-defeating excuses. Consider his mentality as he converses with the angel. Sure, Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord, he's abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. But Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan's the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least of my entire family. I can't do this. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. Consider the strongholds of fear, unbelief, and inferiority that gripped and paralyzed his life. We cannot afford to have thinking like that. Well, there's a lot of other things that are said in this, but you know, the thing is, is I I am so thankful for Kim Reynolds. Because if we'd had a Democratic governor, dude, they'd have have pulled a button on us, or at least tried to. Shutting down churches during COVID has been framed as saving lives. But it's not that simple, you know. I mean when you think about what it is that our church has been able to do in providing ministry for people, not only that, all of these resources and stuff that we've we've helped other people to be able to keep their, their stuff going, if we'd have just been shut down, God only knows what would have happened. People aren't in schools, mental health is a problem, addiction, suicide, you know. <laughs> I think sometimes with all of this, this is just my own personal thought, but I think that we are trying to, you know, adjust and, and situate the deck chairs on the Titanic while the stinking thing is falling into the depths of the sea. And that's what's intended. You know, just to keep you on your heels and not fight back. Because after all, by golly, if you fight back, we're going to shame you into submission. And I got to tell you about it. I'm tired of it. Okay? Yes, there is a risk. When we meet every Sunday morning, there's a risk. And certainly people within our congregation, you know, have experienced, you know, the virus itself and different things of that nature. I'm not minimizing that. But what I am angry about is that something like this has absolutely paralyzed our country. And it's by design. So the days ahead of us are going to require some standing. That's all I got to tell you are you listening to me you know because and here's the thing you have to understand it's the spirit of the world it is hell i don't know but i i suspicion that satan knows that his days are numbered and so there's stuff getting ratcheted up the likes of which we haven't seen but here's the thing just like we read the gates of hell will what They will not prevail against it. I think you're going to see some of the greatest glory of God in these last days and his grace resting upon people, perhaps the likes of which you've never seen. It is going to be awesome. Woo! Why? Because we win. You know, I mean, the thing is, is, you know, as much as I talk about, you know, that, I mean, we're on the winning team here. Come on. So I encourage you, praise God, take your lives back. Get your lives back and do what it is that God wants you to do. Why? Because he's not giving you the spirit of fear, Amen. but a power, love, and a sound mind.